angels and demons, mythology and religion, heroes and monsters. These are the stories we create, the beings we fear and yet long to be. My name is Raven Burns Kushner, Wiccan artist and life coach. On this channel, I analyze our stories, gleaning the spiritual principles that help us live more successfully. I explore the darkness and the light, as both are important. And don't be afraid, unless of course that excites you. <laughs> All right, hello there lovelies. So I'm excited to go ahead and wrap up the Dead Ringer series. Um, so I'll be getting into episodes two through six today. But before I get into all that, I just wanted to announce my latest painting that is on the website. It was inspired by my love and fascination for twins and doppelgangers and also the movie Dead Ringers. Um, so that will be on the website. I will provide the link in the description. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about this series. So I was going to do it episode by episode, but as I started watching it, I decided I was just going to do it as a whole. I feel like, I, I really feel like the movie, the subject matter was better handled by a movie, I believe, than by a series. Now, initially I was really excited to see a series because I felt that they could have gone in so many different directions. Um, the whole thing with the birthing center, I felt like, gave them the opportunity to have all these new and interesting characters come on and, and how the twins would navigate these things. But they ended up going a different direction, at least in season one, um, so far as I can tell. So to, to sum up, the theme of the movie, in my opinion, was can twins, can twins that share the same soul, similar to conjoined twins, can a set of twins that share the same soul ever successfully be separated? I think that was the theme of the movie. The movie's answer to that question was a resounding no, okay? To separate them was to destroy them. They could not live apart. I feel that the series took the same question and answered yes, they can be separated, but only if they are melded into one person, i.e. one of them has to die, <laughs> okay? So that's the direction that the series decided to go in. And I just wanted to talk about the things I liked and disliked about the series. I do recommend it. I think it's worth seeing for sure. I don't think that they mishandled the subject matter at all, but in my opinion, the movie just has no competition and I'm not even like a die hard Cronenberg fan or anything like that. Just looking at the thematic matter and how they handled it, I just think it was, it was better served as a movie. So what I liked about the series for sure, as I've mentioned before, is the cinematography. It's a very, it's a dark but beautifully shot uh, piece of work. 
there's the red it carries throughout the shadowiness the, the the lighting was handled really well the acting was superb i thought the characters were limited now that was one of my concerns about the series was that they were going to go too far into male bashing and go too far in trying to push an agenda a feminist type agenda and also making the rich people caricatures. And I do feel like all of those red flags were, were represented <laughs> in the series to some extent, um, but the acting was good. I think that they did the most with the limited characters that they had. And I say limited because I really do feel like the characters were mostly one dimensional. I don't feel like we got a whole lot of nuance. Like after the second episode or so, you kind of knew exactly what to expect from each and every participant in the series. And I at least wasn't surprised by anything that anyone did. Um, so to that extent, I mean, in, in a sense, a character should be predictable, but within their predictability should be some nuance. So no, none of us is one dimensional. We all have different facets to ourselves, And I just feel like that wasn't represented as well as it could have been. However, Silas, <laughs> yay for Silas. He for sure was my favorite character. Um, I felt like for me, it was revived. The series was revived when he came on the scene, even though he came on the scene when, it was on, on, when the series was almost over. <laughs> so, But in my opinion, it saved it because I was really starting to lose interest and I wasn't even sure if maybe I wasn't going to finish it. Not that it was bad. It's just with so much out there, I for one don't want to spend a lot of time with something I'm just not that inspired by. But when he came on the scene, I was really encouraged and really excited because I felt like he became us. He was like that skeptical outsider who's like calling bullshit on everything. But the way he called bullshit on everything was so great because he himself was flawed, but unlike everybody else, he understood that he was flawed and he wasn't really trying to hide or apologize for it, lie about it, and he was asking questions, like the kind of questions a coach would ask where you're eliciting the truth of the situation, but without badgering, without, I feel like he's kind of the counterpart if you watch Interview with the Vampire series. The character Daniel as the reporter is call, coming in and calling bullshit on a lot of things, but he's doing it with a very grumpy, you know, antagonistic type of personality. But Silas was smooth. Silas was sort of just amused <laughs> by everybody but he was asking questions that were dead on. And when he found his story, like none of the rich lady's threats were going to do anything. I mean, she did her best to really try to, you know, run him down, put him down, put him in his place, you know, scare him off, whatever. He's like, this is a story and I'm telling it. <laughs> so love me some Silas. All right, so the things that I disliked so other than the red flags, <laughs> which I'd already covered, I, I really don't think that any of the men were, were at all useful. I thought they were all useless, except for the, for the grandfather, Daddy Mantle. <laughs> when he said, you girls are awful, you're just awful. I was like, thank you. Why didn't you say that like when they were little? <laughs> like maybe they could have, anyway, no blame, no shame. But I really enjoyed the parents, uh, but he was, of the men, the only man that was useful, Silas was useful. Everybody else I thought was 
was in one way or another kind of a buffoon character and not really useful in any meaningful sense. So that's neither here nor there. The directors are allowed to do whatever they want to do. I just, again, don't like stereotyped figures. The rich people, as I had unfortunately predicted, were one-dimensional. They were just monstrous. Even Susan, the wife, who I thought maybe would be like, because she married into it, maybe like a nice rich lady. But by the end, she I mean, she had fully bought into this whole thing. And if she had any skepticism going in, now that she's firmly in this situation, she's just another one of the monsters. So that was kind of unfortunate. Um, a, a lot of the things that bothered me by the end were the jumps in logic. Now, in any show, you have to suspend disbelief, and, and that's fine, and I can do that. But when there's too many, and when it seems forced, like another red flag that I pointed out from episode one was that the ending to episode one seemed forced. And I do feel like all of the endings seemed forced. Episode two was actually almost pointless. I don't see why that was necessary to, that could have been shortened or part of another episode, but whatever. Um, but by the end, I felt like it was super rushed. I knew what was going to happen basically, but tying the loose ends together was really frustrating because I'm like, there's just too many leaps in logic. Like, okay, I understood and I knew when it was that it was going to happen that somehow one of them was going to assume the identity of the other. So apparently what they decided was that Bev was not able to be happy, which I'll get into later, <laughs> not able to be happy. So, you know, she decides to give up her identity to Elliot. So Elliot apparently had no problem with this. So she's cuts herself to pretend as if she's had a C-section and she delivers the babies. They rush the babies off to the NICU to be, you know, cared for. She collapses after, you know, cutting herself and she's whisked away. We don't know what happened to Bev's body. Somebody must have done something. We're to assume, I believe, that Crapgrass, whatever his name was, Tom, has taken the body somewhere to, he's, you know, constantly the lapdog to these people. So he's, you know, incriminating himself further, taking the body somewhere, we're led to believe. The rich lady, Rebecca, forgot her name for a second, Rebecca seems to know and maybe has arranged all this so that she can get what she really wants, which of course is money through Elliot and her innovation. So this is how we've wrapped this thing up. But the people that took care of Elliot after she collapsed, and I'm talking about whoever it was, whether it was a nurse, nurse practitioner, you know, passerby. I mean, somebody had to notice that the, the lady was not pregnant, right? She cut her stomach. So the, a byproduct of a C-section is not just a cut stomach, okay? You've got a, an enlarged uterus, <laughs> you have placentas, <laughs> you have umbilical cords flying all over the place, you've got blood, more than that. You know, you've got all these things and so somebody must have noticed that she was not pregnant, which then begs the question, where's the pregnant lady? So we're just gonna have to assume that the rich lady paid everybody off, took care of all that, and, and Bev is gone. So the other leap in logic, so we can, we can deal with that leap in logic. Okay, the, the rich lady made it happen, fine. Genevieve, <laughs> okay, Genevieve never, mixed the two of them up. 
when they were newly dating, she recognized that when they were playing this game with Genevieve's friends, that the, you know, that Elliot, who was pretending to be Bev, wasn't Bev. I mean, she wasn't confused. She walked in and knew immediately what had happened, and she was unhappy with it. And that was when they were new. So we're to assume that somehow, now that they're living together, that she doesn't know that Elliot isn't Bev. <laughs> Not only because of personality, and you know, you can try to take on somebody else's personality all you want to, but who you are is never going to go away. No one can act 24 seven. So there's that, but there's also, even if you, suspend disbelief and be like, okay, she subsumed her twin's soul and now she can perfectly act out the part of Bev. Okay, fine. There's still the issue of post-pregnancy body. You do not have a C-section and then just go on with your regular life. I mean, having a C-section and delivering babies after carrying them for eight or nine months, I don't know how premature Bev was, but months, right, she was pregnant. You do not just deliver babies via natural or C-section and then just move on. It's not the same as cutting your stomach. You've got bleeding over the course of like eight weeks. You have, you know, your uterus going back to normal. You've got all these things. You've got milk, okay? You've got all these things that would be the, said the byproduct of someone having a baby. So Genevieve, who knew the, the who knew the two twins apart early on in the relationship somehow doesn't recognize that Elliot has that Elliot has taken over Bev's personality or body life and that she's also not pregnant. So I think Genevieve was a lot smarter than that. So we don't get a lot of Genevieve other than like after all this, other than a little clip at the end where she's sitting on a bench with her with the babies. Um, so I don't think so, right? Another thing that kind of stretched my imagination or ability to <laughs> suspend disbelief was even the fact that Genevieve was away. Now, they had been planning, Bev and Genevieve had been planning this pregnancy before you know they had even gotten pregnant and then there's the months of the pregnancy. So to be away from your partner in that final month, especially with twins, would be unheard of. So the fact that she couldn't have gotten out of that, maybe. I mean, that's, of all the things I've just mentioned, probably the most believable, but still it seemed convenient, <laughs> you know, um, that somehow, because in the movie, Claire was away for business, but there was no baby. So there was no planning. She didn't know that this was going to happen before meeting, you know, um, before meeting Bev, but in this case, they knew. So she knew, you, the first thing you do when you find out that you're pregnant is count. <laughs> when is this thing gonna, when is this baby going to come, right? So you know, but whatever. So we can suspend all of that disbelief. The biggest thing I had a problem with, the series versus the movie, is that the ending did not seem inevitable to me. In the movie, it did. To me, the way the movie ended, it felt like there was no other way that that was going to go down because the doctor started off, the, the, the male mantle started off 
not normal, but they had their own version of normal. And then you have the introduction of Claire, the introduction of drugs, their codependent relationship. And then it's like a, a train trying to like slam on its brakes. It like takes forever to actually stop. So it just felt like there was no other way that that could have turned out. With the series, I just don't agree that it was inevitable. I do not agree. Bev says at the end, as far as explaining, I guess, why she's willing to, you know, end her life and give it to Elliot. She says, I've tried, I've tried to be happy and I just can't do it. Have you tried though? That's my thing. Have you tried? Have you tried? I mean, to me, what she wanted was fairly simple. She wanted to be able to have a relationship with Genevieve to be able to create a family and have her twin sister. That is not some sort of an unreasonable thing. All that had to have happened was that Elliot would have had to stop trying to kill their relationship. Genevieve was on board with giving Bev her space with giving her, she called it mantle time or Elliot time. I forgot what she called it, but she was on board with, you know, giving her her space, letting her, she, and she put up with a lot, <laughs> and, you know, she does confront her at the end and Bev is kind of like, what do you mean you've given up a lot? I mean, I don't know about giving up a lot, but she has put up with a lot to be with Bev. I mean, having somebody disrespect you like that just constantly like every time you see them they disrespect you and your partner does nothing says nothing and you have to just stand up for yourself that's a terrible position to be put in and to be frank when they broke up I was like well maybe <laughs> maybe Genevieve dodged a bullet maybe you know this is okay maybe they'll not have them get back together so they did um but the thing is I don't feel like they really tried so the only time Bev participated in any kind of therapy was this whole fake role playing where it turns out she's the one going to group therapy, claiming that her sister died and sort of living out this alternate, you know, lifestyle where she's, you know, the surviving twin and how much better her life is now that she's not around. So, which was news to Elliot <laughs> when she took over her life. So, she knows where therapy is, why she didn't think that maybe she should go, especially since she suggested it to the other lady who had a bunch of miscarriages. It never occurred to her that maybe her and Genevieve and, and Elliot and maybe even the parents, maybe they should try it. If you're going to say that you tried to be happy, let's say that you tried everything then. Not you try, meaning that you, you lie to everybody, you're, you go around with a placid smile on your face all the time, never talking about what bothers you, never standing up for yourself. Like when Crabgrass, or whatever his name is, Tom confronts her drunk in the bar after the awards ceremony where she distanced herself from Elliot. He's blaming her. He's telling her it's her fault. I'm like, excuse me. But what I did like about that scene was that it was really realistic in a sense. I mean, of all the unrealistic things that happened in the show, I thought that was realistic, but not in a good way. It is very realistic that when you are the recipient of an abusive person's shenanigans, people and they call them like in healing circles, like if you've ever gone through narcissistic abuse, they call them flying monkeys. 
I've also heard the terms coterie. <laughs> There's groups of people that surround toxic people that, uh, that uh, enable them, that support them, that they'll take the abuse and they expect you to take the abuse. So when you stand up for yourself and you're like, uh-uh, they will get mad at you. They don't get mad at the abusive person. And actually I thought that that was psychologically very realistic. I don't know if they were trying to make any kind of a point with that, but it was just something that I noticed. But even then, like Bev is not ever going to stand up for herself. Nobody in the show has seen a boundary. They couldn't set one to save their lives. Nobody, nobody had any boundaries. <laughs> and that, if you want to say, I tried, I tried to be happy. You didn't try that, which is boundaries are the foundation for happiness, especially when you're in a toxic situation, which they were. So that's that. <laughs> I do recommend this show mainly because of the suspense. Honestly, that's the only reason why I finished the show. I didn't care about the characters and I feel bad to say that because I had such high hopes. And I don't know why exactly I did like the mantle men, not like, like is a strong word, but I was fascinated by them and I cared about what happened to them. I don't feel like I cared about what happened to the mantle sisters. I felt like I was just watching it. I didn't have an opinion about what they actually experienced. I had opinions about other people. I really liked as an aside, Greta's art show. Like I would have loved to see more than that. The art that they showed was actually really cool. And the fact that that was kind of her story arc, that was really interesting, you know, simple, but really cool. I'm like, I wish we could have seen more of that as it was being made, but they just kept her thing a big mystery. And that's the only thing to me that drove the series forward. I kept watching, not because I cared what happened to the Mantle sisters. I just wanted to see all these plot twists to see what the answer was, why this and why that. Were my guesses correct or were they wrong? Like, that's fine if that's what you wanna do. But for me, I don't like shows that rely only on suspense. The closest comparison I have is the show Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars main driving force was its suspense and they, boy, did they drop the ball at the end. They even had the evil twin, <laughs> you know. Anyway, that, that's a whole nother Oprah, terrible. But I love that show because of the characters as well. I really, really did care what happened to those characters. So in addition to the suspense, I really enjoyed the people. Now you don't have to like the characters, of course, in, in any movie or show, but you should care. If you don't care, it's really, especially with the series, because once you've started a movie, most likely you'll finish it. Although I don't <laughs> a lot of times, but with the series, you've got to keep showing up, got to keep showing up. And I guess that that's what they were relying on the binge factor. But for me, that's why I ended up just wrapping it up because once I had the answers, I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, I'm done. So I'm glad that they tried the series. I think enough people like it that it'll probably continue. It just wasn't for me because again, the movie said it, said what it had to say more poetically than the series is doing. The series seems to be obsessed with mania. <laughs> And I'm not. So I don't know that I'll be joining a second season. Certainly I won't be reviewing it. Um, but I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you enjoyed this recap. 
Let me know if there's anything that you'd like me to review. I have some ideas of what I'm gonna do next. It'll be spooky, <laughs> it'll be paranormal, it may be scary. It will be thought provoking though. So that's it for this week. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you'll check out my paintings on the website. Again, the link is in the description and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you did enjoy today's discussion. Visit paintselflove.com to book a coaching appointment or to buy some inspirational art. Until next time, love yourself and love yourself well. Blessed be.